Hello all, I'm Kyle. And I'm Zach. And we're a couple of small town gays who love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Together, we'll examine each episode of this trailblazing series through the lens of our own queer experiences. We'll dive deep into the stacks to break down each episode, share some behind-the-scenes trivia at Scooby meetings, and explore queer themes as we stand against the forces of darkness. So whether you're a first-time watcher or you've been a fan since the old ones walked the earth, we invite you to join weekly patrols of the Sunnydale streets with your Buffy Buffy Gaze! I just want to, just for anyone who did not catch the Mulan reference, <laughs> I just want to mention. Oh, uh, we, we didn't pay for the rights to that. Don't sue us, Disney. I hope. Uh, it was only a few seconds. I don't think that it's it, possible. It was, pro- it was probably it. so far out of tune that it wouldn't matter anyway. An employee from Disney is one of our, like, slightly more than 100 <laughs> listeners. <laughs> they're like, got him. <laughs> we g- we're going to sue these fucking gotcha, bitch. Poor little gay ass bitches. Uh, anyway, that Bianca was a Mulan w. reference from the song Reflection. I did not write that. Zach just came up with it on the fly. Kyle told me to say it with more emphasis, and I was like, I'll show you emphasis. I'll show you emphasis, bitch. Zach, we're done with season two. Oh, my God. I know we like did this whole rigmarole in Becoming Part 2, but I just wanted to like give a second for it and be like, wow, we finished season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god, you guys. Oh. Oh my god. Oh my god, you guys. Yes. Uh <laughs> season 2 is like maybe like arguably the most iconic season of the show. Mm. The highest rated like according to like Nielsen ratings episode of the show is in season 2. I believe the highest rated episode. I want to say it's Innocence. It's one of like those like two-parter sort of kind of things a lot and of two-parters it, in this season yeah right and it uh in surprise and innocence aren't like part one and part two but they're basically a two-parter and i i think that it's innocence that's actually i'm gonna go to wikipedia real quick and look at the season two entry mm. because i know an episode in this season is the highest rated episode Halloween? of the entire season it's definitely not Buffy. And I'm not How, talking what? about like, uh, I'm not talking about like, ooh, critics rate it this high. No, it's like the, has the most amount of viewers. Yes, I was right. It was, it was episode 14, which was Innocence. Yes, so Innocence is the episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that was like viewed the most by households the week it released so Mm. or at at the exact time it released so it was viewed by i think i'm reading this correctly it's like 7.94 million people Mm. all at once when it released the first time that's a lot and that's the highest ranked episode i don't think season two like on average is the highest ranked season Mm -hmm. uh but innocence is the highest ranked episode so season two is like one of it is arguably the most iconic season of the show particularly because it just gained so much of a following mm. 
uh, based on, you know, season one and the progression of the early season, which is really neat. So it's really significant. And I, Zach, I thought I had seen more of these episodes. Mm -hmm. I hadn't, I had not seen most of these episodes. You not see her, which is fucking crazy for me. Go fish was go fish is the season two episode that I remembered the most vividly before mm. doing this podcast. That is crazy. <laughs> you uh, the worst episode stuck out to you. Yes, yeah, so uh, I just wanted to like take that in for a second. One of and the worst anyway. I <laughs> yes, and uh, like I've finally seen all of season two, like paying attention to everything the whole time and it it was it's great i loved it and i don't know it's awesome mm. i love i love that that happened so we're going to reflect on season two today before we start i want to give a quick announcement we said this at the end of becoming part two but we are going to take a little break we've already recorded a couple of bonus episodes for y'all and we're going to take an extra week break after them so next week you're going to hear an episode about the movie buffy the vampire slayer 1992 Mm -hmm. with paul jordan of scared gay with uh who just released an episode of his own podcast about the craft in which we were featured so uh check out our episode on scared gay and all of their episodes they're great we love paul excellent excellent podcast yes wonderful and then the week after so two weeks from now you'll get an episode on the unaired pilot with tabula rasa bitches Mm. nick mercer and ali press the following week we will not be releasing anything except a quick disclaimer that we will not be releasing a recap episode that week and then three weeks from now no sorry four weeks from now one two three four yes four weeks from now we'll be releasing our first recap episode of season three and very exciting Mm. i love Anne. i had so much fun recording with the tabula rasa bitches yes that was great yes scared gay or paul and uh tabula rasa bitches they were both really fun i have not edited them yet and it's going to take so long because they were very long because we had so much fun oh yeah (laughs) so uh please please tune into those they're going to be a treat and uh go check out scared gay and tabula rasa bitches they're wonderful all right zach now it's time for us to reflect on season two i feel like that's the third or fourth time we have started that so we're going to talk about the characters we're going to crunch some numbers we're going to talk about some spoilers (laughs) the spoilers won't be until later in the episode so Mm -hmm. if you have just started watching this show don't worry we'll do the kevin malone yes (laughs) warning warning that's what it'll sound like i'm sure that was just a test I am abs. I'm 100% certain. I have not listened to our season one reflections episode recently, except like little snippets for to get some data for this episode. But I'm 100% certain that you did that exact same thing in the season one reflections episode. Yeah. Warning, warning. It's a uh, consistency, you know. If there's one thing you can be assured of with Zach is that. He will make an office reference if it is available to him. Oh, honey. Yes, honey. I will. Yes. So we're just, we're just going to. where that came from. 
We're just going to have fun talking about season two today. Uh, yes. So I want to start by talking about our experience, our personal experiences with this rewatch of the season. Let's personally experience it. Yes. And I want to start with you, Zach. Uh, so before we started rewatching this season, mm-hmm. what was it that you were looking forward to? Uh... So I don't fully remember what I said in the past, so don't hold this against me. It's but, okay. Uh, Truth is not real. I, oh, damn. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> you can go back to the season one reflections if you want to, but uh, sometimes we remember other things. Anyway, um, I think what I was the most looking forward to was the whole um, An- Angelus story arc. Oh, yeah. And also Oz. Uh, oh, yes. Definitely Oz. Which is such a fun part of the season. Not that, not really. I for some reason I thought he was in it more. Yeah, I and then agree. watching it back, it's just like there's just like chunks of episodes where he's just fully not even there. I was also so excited for Oz, and he is always like very funny and very fun when he's around. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the season, you're like, <gasps> we see Oz. Ooh, we're seeing Oz now. Ooh, he's looking at Willow. It's like uh-huh. little tiny snippets of each episode. Mm-hmm. And then even after he's introduced like proper and Willow herself starts to be interested in him, it's like <laughs> it happens and then he's gone for several episodes and then he's barely in the ending of the season. So that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was excited to see him and I'm glad that I did like get the introduction to him, but I also wished he was in there more. Yeah. Well, I think we get to see... If I'm remembering correctly, I think we see a lot more of him in season three and uh-huh. four. Yeah, I mean, he will exist for all of the episodes, at least. So, mm-hmm. uh, Anything else you were looking forward to? Okay, I'm thinking it's something. Let me just move on. No, I think... I think those are, like, the main thing. I mean, like, it's other than, like, little lines and things here and there. Yes, uh, so I I agree. I was looking forward to the whole Angela story arc and Oz. And just to like elaborate, I was looking forward to specifically the Angel and Buffy relationship and like seeing more of that. Because again, like as as I've said in the past, I started with later seasons of the series. And so Angel was like not around at that time. So it was... I, I was like, okay, I want to see what is going on here. And just to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed in mm. like the whole, like the relationship aspect of it and Angel himself. I thought there could have been a little bit more like gone into him. And obviously he has his own show and it is going to happen that they explore his character some more. I expected it to be explored a little bit more in this season and their relationship to be developed a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But we we really just get like a couple cute moments, some like making out and then them having sex. And then it's Angelus for the rest of the season, like almost half of the season, well, a yeah, little bit because less. Because that's like the point where their relationship would like really start to deepen and then... Yeah, and it's really it's, it's really sad. And so one part of me is like, oh, it's so sad that they didn't get to like have a bit more of a relationship after that. But then another part of me is like, I wish we had learned more about Angel and that he got to actually interact with Buffy more. 
Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting experience for me, especially knowing like the whole culture ar- around like so many people are Buffy angel shippers and like Angel is o- the only one who could be ever be right for Buffy Hashtag and stuff like that. Forever. So that was interesting to experience, especially after knowing like the whole culture around it. Did you notice anything new to you while watching this season this time around? Was there anything that stuck out to you that you hadn't really noticed before? Uh, I found myself really appreciating a lot of the episodes, like even the bad ones. Oh, yeah. And like finding little moments in there that are still fun and like, you know, still like good lines or uh, I don't know. That was something like the episodes that I tend to skip a lot on a rewatch. That uh-huh. I, I uh, that was the part that I really liked and like and, and finding little nuances and things like hunting for the widespread panic sticker everywhere <laughs> yes. and uh, like little things like the little Easter eggs in the back. That's always fun. Yes. And uh, like I said, most of this season was pretty new to me mm-hmm. and it was really nice experiencing uh, Jenny a lot more than I had previously. Mm-hmm. And cause I had like almost, I had seen almost no episodes with her in them Mm-hmm. So that was very, I was, it was, I was actually developing a relationship with this character since she came in in I Robot You Jane in uh, season one. So that was a, a really nice experience. That was very new to me. Uh, most of these episodes were very new to me. So this is like a, a pretty, a decently like fresh season for me. Uh, and mm, I, d- so I thought that I had like, I knew that I hadn't done a whole rewatch of season two front to back before i didn't realize how many episodes i hadn't even seen just like isolated Mm -hmm. so most of this season was very very new to me and i that was a really cool experience for me so let's go ahead and get into a discussion about the arc of the season the big story beats and uh, I want to go ahead and start, and I just want to mention, so we have, uh, this season is sort of really split into two, it feels like for me. Mm-hmm. The first part of the season is very, it's very season one, and I understand, like, uh, uh, even the filler episodes are higher quality, mm-hmm. but it's like we have... A, a big bad who's like kind of there sometimes, but like we don't really talk about him a whole lot when in Spike. And uh, we have a, a bunch of little filler stuff and we have some character exploration stuff. But the real arc of season two that people like really hone in on doesn't happen until a surprise and innocence Mm -hmm. where we get Buffy having sex with her boyfriend for the first time and him turning evil and becoming the actual big, big bad of the season. Yeah. It is interesting because it sort of feels almost directionless until you get to that point a little bit. Yeah. Because I mean, even Spike, I mean, he's not really doing much. Exactly. Because we have his big kind of, debut in school hard and then he's just kind of and it's in also, the background the rest of the time it's also not super clear why he came there with drusilla mm-hmm. uh i think i don't know i i you i have to go kind of back and watch some stuff again after having seen this whole thing all the way through weekly uh he he does mention some things about like 
I don't know. It seems like he's talking about well, some prophecies that she's seen or something. It feels like he came there so that he could heal her, uh-huh. but also but that he didn't like really... know that Angel was there and he didn't know Angel was the key. So that's yeah, a little it's weird. Like, yeah, it's it doesn't. <laughs> it's like they just happened to there to come there, but then also there was a lot of stuff they needed. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very interesting. But then once we get Angelus, we have uh the that a bunch of that earlier stuff sort of starts to tie in. So mm-hmm. like the beginning of the season, instead of being completely directionless, turns into sort of like a, a backdrop for everything that happens after Angel loses his soul again. Because mm-hmm. uh, we have all the stuff like our introduction to Spike and Drusilla and their relationship and mm-hmm. Spike having killed Slayers before and wanting to kill Buffy. And uh, we take all that in and Angel's relationship with Buffy, of course. We take all that in and we use it to fuel the latter half of the season, which I thought was very interesting. Although it does make the first part of the season suffer a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're moving on from the season arc discussion, but uh, obviously a huge part of the season arc is Buffy's journey herself. And uh, we will get into that a little bit more when we talk about Buffy herself. Zach, are there any... Uh, I've made a list of these recurring characters just in case you uh, we want to talk about any of them specifically. Uh, is there any recurring character that sort of stood out to you in the season or you noticed uh, some particular development in? I mean, the people who are kind of in the background, These, when we say recurring characters, we're talking about not the main characters. We're talking about like... Characters who are in more than one episode. Side characters. And yeah. are part of storylines. I mean, the only character that really had any sort of storyline that changed very much was Larry, right? I mean... Yeah, Larry was Jonathan's interesting barely there i i thought okay so there was larry and larry Mm -hmm. was in a couple of episodes and it was like oh he's a bully but (gasps) gasp he's gay Mm -hmm. what a surprise a gay athlete those don't exist (laughs) (laughs) and uh that's not the last we'll see of larry we will see larry again in the future how many times i don't know (laughs) who does (laughs) uh uh, uh, Jonathan was in here quite a bit, though. He was in several episodes. He was in Go Fish. He was in Reptile Boy. He was in Inca Mummy Girl. Mm. Uh, probably one or two more that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. So I thought it was interesting that they like stuck him in as this like little normal high school boy like recurring character. And we will see more of him. He wasn't explored a whole lot, but it's very clear that he's not very popular and he's kind of like a meek person, a very Mm -hmm. Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's very, he's just kind of that nerd kid that Mm -hmm. people pick on and stuff. That seems to be his point in the show right now. And then, I mean, we do see Amy one time, right? And then it's uh-huh. like she's just there for that one episode, and then it's like she's gone. Yeah, and it's which is again interesting to me because she was also in only one episode of the first season. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will see Amy again. She's not gone, and it's interesting knowing that there's a a witch just among the student body in mm-hmm. Sunnydale High. Like we know that Amy's there. She's like 
haven't hasn't even been like grievously injured or anything like she was part of that spell that Xander wanted to cast so there's just a witch walking around among the student body which mm-hmm. is very interesting to me and uh, I think we want to keep that in mind so we we talked about near the end of the season how Willow was becoming more interested in magic and there was already this other student who is practicing magic right now mm-hmm. so we'll want to keep an eye on Amy uh, Willie will show up again and I will get to do my Willie voice again. I just <laughs> wanted to mention that because <laughs> I love doing the, we love doing the Willie voice so much. Yeah. Willie. I mean, he's there. He was punched in the face. He was punched in the face. I mean, Joyce is probably the character that's there the most. Actually, yes. I guess we have two like sort of quote unquote major returning recurring characters yeah. in the season. One of them was killed, but the other one was Joyce. Well, and like Kendra though, like she's in what? Two. She's in three episodes. Two, if you count What's My Line as one episode that's split into yeah, two Yeah, if parts. you want to, yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, that sh- it, that was a criminally underexplored character. Yeah, the the worst part about this is that there's not a lot to talk about with her because she was she came, and it was nice to... It, it, it introduced a lot of stuff to the lore. It introduced, like, this in- relationship with Buffy. She was... Uh, she got to talk to Buffy about how Buffy experiences uh, being a slayer is like a job, but it's actually like just who she is Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And then she comes back randomly. They don't even include her in the previously on, which I'm still mad about. And she gets killed, which sucks. Mm -hmm. And so Kendra really just like, seems like a plot device for me. And she had a little bit to herself as a character, but unfortunately she just kind of existed to move Buffy's plot along and introduce some stuff about the lore to us. Mm-hmm. And then, then Joyce, I yes. mean, if you, yeah, I guess she's really not in it enough to be like a main character. I don't know. She's kind of right on the edge. I feel like, yeah, I agree. Cause she, which I mean, Oz is like that too, where it's like, mm-hmm. he's there most of the time. Well, some of the time. And then sometimes he's just not there for for some reason. Oz has such small roles that I forgot to include him in this list, but we already talked about him. Yeah, um, I mean, we did see for with Joyce and Buffy's relationship, like I don't know, there were a lot of ups and a lot of downs. A lot of ups and a lot of downs. Like as in the very beginning, first of all, the first episode of the season is the only episode that we see Hank in. Mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, and so we start by seeing her talking with Hank about her being in LA. So she hadn't seen her daughter for a little while. And then in school hard, she gets to this like badass moment and she has this really cool stuff with Buffy in it mm-hmm. at the end. But then the rest of the season, like her parts are just like her being like, Oh, kind of out of touch mom who doesn't ask Mm -hmm. enough clarifying questions who has seen enough stuff to like realize something weird is going on, but doesn't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, Ted, which triggered you. Oh yes. Um, bad eggs. Oh, she's just like, she's like, you're grounded forever. And then the next week she's going to the mall for her birthday or whatever. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, that they were in the mall. Wait, oh, oh yeah, that was in uh, Bad Eggs. That was also in Bad Eggs, yes. Because uh, she, because like, that was Buffy, when Buffy you was like, "My dress, you're grounded." 
<laughs> no, she grounded her because I, I was just kidding. Because she wasn't where she told her to be. But yeah, that's also another episode where Buffy's like, "Yeah, I'm killing vampires all the time," and Joyce is like, "What's going on in your brain?" <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, Joycey. it's very intentional, but like so much like Joyce just ignoring stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we have the like big moments yeah. in the very end. I feel like in with like with her at the beginning of like in season one, we were like there was a lot of praise for her about like oh, she's uh-huh. such a great mom and she's trying and she's real. Yes. And then this season, it was a little bit less of that. Um, yeah, she got a little bit more active as like a parent, like in the wrong kind of ways in a couple of times mm-hmm. this season. Which uh, is, you know, still real. And it, it also makes sense. Like, she just doesn't understand what's going on with her mm-hmm. daughter. She knows that her daughter has acted out a bunch in the past. She doesn't know why, but she also, like, when confronted with reasons that could be why, it's just like, oh, this is not the way I understand the world, so I'm just going to car- compartmentalize it and be like, my daughter's like kind of a bad kid. Right. Uh, so ver- a very interesting dynamic there between Joyce and Buffy. And uh, I I think it's safe to say we're going to see Joyce again, <laughs> even though she kicked her daughter out of her own fucking house. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, nope, there's never a Joyce in the rest of the seas. No, no more Joyce in this series. Joyce is gone. She'll never see Buffy again. <laughs> but she's probably worried about that, considering the end of Becoming Part 2. We just stay with Buffy living on the streets the rest of the series. Probably. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, Buffy's the only character we keep. <laughs> None of the uh, All the other characters stay in Sunnydale, and she leaves. She just starts over. Forever. <laughs> she yeah. goes to Cleveland. Oh, yeah. The Cleveland. I wonder why she goes to Cleveland, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, so moving on to the more main characters. Yes. Which interesting that you included Jenny on this because Jenny is almost a. a yeah, Jenny, I do she's believe. She's like a transitionally. I believe that she is technically a recurring character, but she has such a big part in this season. And even like the same thing with some of the villains of the season. Like they're not in the opening credits, but like they're such huge parts of the season mm-hmm. that. I would be remiss to not include them in main characters. Sure. I think Joyce, uh, yeah, I, I still think Joyce and Jenny are kind of on the same level really in terms of how much they're in the show. Yeah. But like the, for me, the thing was like Joyce could be taken out in most of the main plot of the season as a whole would, could still be the same if we never saw Buffy's mom, except for like an episode or two. Mm hmm. But for Jenny, like, she's such an integral part of the main plot of the season. She definitely becomes an integral part. Yes. So she just starts out, like, it's such a cute, like, lots of cute stuff between her and Giles Mm -hmm. and them developing their little relationship. And then we get the Dark Age. Mm. Mm. And she gets mad at Giles for not telling her that he had orgies, a demon-induced orgies for a long time, and killed a person. (laughs) Yes, and getting her possessed by a demon, which is very fair. She had that whole let's stay away for a while thing. It was interesting to me how they kind of dropped the whole techno-pagan part of her. Because they they pick it up after she dies, kind of, for Willow. Mm Mm-hmm. But before that, in this season, 
she, she really doesn't wasn't really, doing anything. Yeah, with she it. doesn't do any magic. She was just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very interesting to me. I feel like they could have put her in an episode or two more. Maybe that was like budget constraints or something. Well, and I mean, again, it's just I think it's just because she's not close enough to the center of the orbit. Yeah, it's just sort of uh, she's kind of an offshoot with Giles and Willow, kind of. And Xander and Buffy aren't as close to her. They just sort of experience a relationship to her in relation to Giles, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an interesting dynamic, of course. So after the Dark Age, we get like the whole awkward portion between her and Giles Mm -hmm. where she's mad at Giles. And then... (laughs) it's just sort of right when they start to make up then the whole curse thing blows up yeah exactly so it just sort of flips around Mm -hmm. well uh, well actually we're even missing a middle portion of that where they learned that jenny is romanian and Mm -hmm. that she knew that angel was cursed by her people yeah that's what i meant when i said the whole curse thing blows up Oh I yeah, just, yeah. I so was summary. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So she's mad at Giles. Then everyone else is mad at her, <laughs> which again I think is like it was a little disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she got killed. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> sucked. Well, and it was right when they were finally. It was like they were back on there. Like maybe we'll be okay. Yeah, she was gonna see Giles at his house that day, and like Buffy was like. I still don't like you, but I'm okay with you dating my dad, which Mm. was a much nicer dynamic than she had with Ted. Mm. And, uh, but then she gets killed and it's very sad, but Jenny did lead to Angel's reinsolment, which ultimately led to a bunch of uh, emotional (laughs) distress for Buffy at the end. Mm -hmm. But she was really trying. And maybe if she, uh, maybe if there weren't so many complex human emotions at play, she would have been able to uh, reinsole him before a bunch of that shit went down. Right. So it's that kind of a, like a, it's very a very like Shakespearean tragedy that way, as is a bunch or of this season. Would she have not been motivated because? Oh it yeah, did yeah, that's possible like as well. She wanted to do it to like get back in everybody's good graces a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think I mean not not solely for that. She yeah. I think she also just was like, if this is the right thing to do, but. I think so highly of Jenny that I think eventually she would have come up with it on her own. But I do believe it was Mm -hmm. expedited by, you know, the interpersonal troubles between her and Giles and Buffy. Mm -hmm. Xander didn't have much of a relationship with her at all. Or Cordelia, I guess. Uh, So goodbye, Jenny. It was so sad. Uh, Jenny is the only person in this section that we will never see again. Did. She did. She's completely. She she was just fucking killed, and that's it. Uh, So let's move on to Drusilla. Yeah, and this isn't like the kind of show to resurrect dead characters. It's never happened before, not even in the first season. (laughs) (laughs) So Drusilla, I was super. I loved seeing Drusilla in this Mm -hmm. season. Uh, Drusilla is in here a lot. And uh, I haven't seen much of the season. And so I hadn't had much experience with Drusilla in her like introduction. And it was really fun. I love Drusilla. I think Drusilla is one of those characters that really benefits from 
you know, like they really gave you just enough information about oh, her. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, you know, they could really dig into like, there could have been a whole Drusilla episode like where she was being changed into a vampire and all that stuff, which uh-huh. I absolutely would have loved to see. Yeah, actually. that would have been but, really cool. But that's the point. It's like you get just these little tastes of it. And so it's almost like that kind of thing. It's the same kind of deal like in um, the original It miniseries where there's that monster coming through that big pipe and all the lights are coming out of it. And Mm -hmm. whatever you're imagining is so much better than anything they could have made it. Yes. And so it's like you you get this little bit of mystery about her and like her her powers are never fully really explained. Uh Um, you just, yeah, I mean, they're, there's, they're simple enough that she can kind of see the future or like she yes. has like clairvoyance or whatever, but like it's, there's not a lot of rules around it, which I usually am a big fan of learning the rules of like magic and things like that. But I think it's really cool that she's this kind of mystery. Well, yeah. And it's just in general, very interesting to like see these distinctions between, really like rule heavy systems of magic and Mm -hmm. the ones that are more nebulous. And I would say that Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a whole, nebulous. yes, (laughs) it falls into the soft magic category Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's just like, we have these general ideas of what's going on and we sort of use those general ideas as a way to spring off into uh, things that make things interesting, which I like. It gives them a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with Buffy's powers and Drusilla's powers. And Amy and, and Willow. Yeah, like, like magic in general. And Giles, who's done magic, too, and, like, on the show. Yes. With the, in which he was doing that spell or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that is one of the things about the Buffy-verse that's, like, kind of both cool and then sometimes frustrating. Is <laughs> like Sometimes it's like, okay, so you can just do this thing? Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> well, why couldn't you do that? Uh-huh. And then, but in general, it's it's done really well, I think, like, with a really good balance. I agree. So, Drusilla, I think Drusilla is a really good example of that sort of thing in this show in general. Mm. And also, her she herself is just, like, a, an interesting character. Like, uh, especially seeing, like, her, it's one of those things where you sort of see backwards what's going on. Like, you see her really weak, and uh, you hear, like, little nuggets of it being because she was attacked by a mob. Well, and then even when she's, like, really weak, she's still super creepy because they give her that little, like, tinkly music box music. Uh And, like, she talks like she's one of the kids, one of the little twins from The Shining. Uh-huh. And so yes. and then we get uh, her coming back to her full power and saving Spike from the building. Mm-hmm. And then we like get to experience her as this like sexual like really uh just this like woman who's like well the, actually this is before she saves Spike cuz she's torturing Angel with the holy water mm-hmm. and stuff. So <laughs> That's a very interesting because it doesn't feel like she's sexualized visually or anything like to Mm -hmm. the audience. She's just like a very sexually charged character. She just like feels powerful. She's got like, she's got BDE. And then once Angelus comes back, she's like, uh, she very clearly would like to be in a thruple with Spike and Angelus, but mm-hmm. Spike's not into it. And I think Angelus is more, <laughs> he's more, uh, he's more concerned with rubbing it in Spike's face that like, I'm fucking your girlfriend, dude. Right. <laughs> Which yeah, bro. But Drusilla would be like, she's like, oh, I want Spike and Angel to fuck me at the same time. 
<laughs> and yeah, she's just living her best life. She is, and uh, I like I do like her and Spike's relationship and how they're like they play off of each other and, and it's just like how it's this interesting thing of like we haven't really seen vampires be attached to anyone else. Yeah in the in the world before them so it it sets them apart a little bit yeah and the whole uh the whole thing with the judge like these two have too much humanity i guess the closest thing is the master and his collins (laughs) yes Um, right his many collins including the annoying one the annoying uh, one and also um i think it's interesting how i feel like the relationship between Spike and Drusilla really brings out a lot in both of their characters. Mm -hmm. And it's not as much about their relationship specifically, which is really neat because it's like a Drusilla is a little bit more aloof and Spike is like super into Drusilla, which is, um, which is interesting considering his character, like throughout the show, uh, yeah, it's like a, as this that's like, like very his thing. Uh huh. It's it's so cool, and I feel like it's an example of how the series uses relationships to explore people mm-hmm. instead of being like, "Oh, will they or won't they?" and stuff like that. Right. Like the kind of like cheap dramatic devices that yeah. shows use sometimes. Well, because Spike's whole thing is like obsession. Like he's obsessed with Drusilla, and he's obsessed with Buffy. Yeah, so we can move on into Spike, too. Like, we're introduced to him as this vampire who's killed Slayers before. Mm -hmm. And pretty much immediately, he's like, I'm going to kill you, Buffy. And Mm -hmm. you're prettier than the other Slayers (laughs) and stuff like that. And (laughs) he has his first interaction with Joyce, Mm -hmm. uh, which is her holding an axe and being like, get away from my daughter. Hitting him in the head with it. Oh yeah, fucking awesome for her. So he starts out as this. I I can't. I still can't remember if he calls himself the big bad in this season or not. I cannot remember. But uh, and then in Halloween, I think, well, Spike is the one I think who coined the phrase "big bad." He on the certainly show. is. I can't remember if it's in this season or not. I think it is. Uh, yeah, I think so. And then in Halloween, he's very active and he like really takes advantage of the situation to try and get Buffy, but her friends help her. And then that's really the last thing he does besi- until before he tries to cure Drusilla. Which lie to me after. I thought lie to me was after Halloween. Oh, what does he do in lie to me? Well, he's <gasps> oh, like, yeah, I forgot. Lie, lie to me is right after. Technically, Halloween. Ford is doing everything and he's just there to like. Yeah, he's like, I'll turn you into vampire and I'll kill everyone else and you better get me Buffy, you bitch. Well, it, <laughs> sort of. It was like Ford <laughs> came to him and was being all yes. annoying. Uh, he was like, <laughs> that was fun, yes. I've only known you for five minutes and I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> Ford was like, you have to be a movie villain with me. It's fun. Ha ha. I've only seen Dracula. That's all I know about vampires. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that was a fun dynamic. But so, yeah, after Lie to Me, that's when he's kind of gone for a second. Well, and I just have to say, too, about Spike. I think the the interesting thing about him is that he really does kind of just do the things that normal, like, villains do. Uh-huh. But he doesn't take it seriously. Yeah. So it's very like he's not that kind of like the where the master was. The master like, was re- like that arch villain and, and like uh-huh. being very like I mean the master was poking fun of it a little too, 
Uh-huh. But Spike just kind of is like, it just takes it to like a whole new level of the like, master is like, it was foretold that I will rise again and defeat the slayer and rule the world. And right. Spike's like, I can I've come here because I've killed two fucking bitches already. And I want to kill another one. He wants to see who has the biggest wrinklies. <laughs> yes. And then in what's my line, the script is flipped and we get, uh, what, will become a trend in this series. I don't think it's too much a spoiler to say of him being like emasculated mm. and depowered. Drew still like, had the biggest wrinklies at that point. Oh, she d- certainly did. And like weirdly, like this weird, like hopeless romantic where now someone else uh, after innocence is like in on his girl and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Cause we don't see him again until surprise and innocence and so basically immediately we get this dynamic where angelus is like fucking drusilla all the time and rubbing it in spike's face Mm -hmm. which is very uh very interesting for spike's character and ultimately leads him to help buffy to save the day even though he likes the world it also is nice that uh, he is jealous of angelus in sort of a similar way similar way that xander is jealous of angel Mm -hmm. i think so very interesting to me well yeah like i mean yeah spike like in that episode too he's like you know i like evil and shit but i want to keep doing it like i (laughs) I don't want to you know (laughs) i don't want the entire world to actually end yes so continuing our discussion of the evil characters let's move on to angel mm-hmm. um it's not angel and it's, it's angelus. angelus angels slash angelus what the fuck ever i saw <laughs> i saw um on tiktok that somebody corrected your thing that said uh uh cu- wait the curse the curse thing it was something like curing him or something yeah no so i was i put I in my captions exactly of this were. post about willow cursing angel and uh-huh. she's like she's actually uncursing him but yeah it was cool <laughs> and i was like actually this is a, the same fucking curse that gave him the soul the first time so shut the fuck up you bitch well that's a lie <laughs> that's not what i said but i was like this is a curse just like the curse that gave him his soul the first time yeah i just think it's really funny that the <laughs> it's so funny i mean if people- you're a, if you're the person who wrote that comment and you're listening i mean you know it's fine like have your opinions it's fine but it's well just, it's also they it's probably just, just forgot like they yeah weren't, they didn't have the while, exact right, right it's just really funny <laughs> it's just, like, it's just something like you... i would completely do though is like i would just act like i'm such an authority on something and yes. then be like oh wait i said they're like correcting thing. someone based on like your memory uh-huh. of a, a show that you last watched five years ago it's <laughs> 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 so funny to me uh, but yeah I, I love that stuff on the tiktoks uh-huh. i was a little disappointed in angel's character this season because i was hoping to learn a lot more about him and to get more experiences with him but when it comes to angel before he's his soul is taken away again he he's just kind of around again more and like he has these like weird he has a couple conversations with buffy where he's like oh you can't have children with me and stuff like that and some sweet stuff like him like getting that uh ice skating place for them to spend mm-hmm. her birthday in and stuff like that and slit that guy's throat in 
Yes, slit the one-eyed Cyclops uh, mm-hmm. Order of Taraka guy in. Yeah, he had a he did have a name actually. I forgot what it was. I it was also like forgot. Olysseus or something. It was something like wacky. <laughs> Some something wacky. Yeah, I feel like Angel is pretty much only explored in the context of his relationship to Buffy, except in Lie to Me, where he kind of dumps his backstory onto us. Mm. And I feel, I wish that we had gotten a little bit more about Angel because I feel like the concept of his character is very interesting. Like this tortured soul who like, like his soul has been returned to his body after he's been turned into a vampire. And he's, uh, he has the weight of all of these things he's done on him. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, and we did kind of get that backstory sort of in Becoming but it's just it's like he gets cursed and then stops being interesting because yeah. he just like stinks and cries a lot and eats rats <laughs> yes. for exactly. like 200 years. In Sold Angel or is so boring. Or 100 years or something. His backstory is that he hung around and ate rats for a long time until a yeah. random demon came to Which help I him. Which I mean, you know, it's it's fine like we didn't have time in the show like or whatever maybe to like dig into that as uh-huh. much or you know maybe we don't have go, go fish and we have like the full angel backstory episode <laughs> right uh but yeah like um i just i i, I do wish that there had been a little bit more done with that section um, i agree of like what like you know him going through the world and like interacting with it and like yeah. and i mean i guess the idea is like what he had done up to that point was so horrible that he couldn't deal with it. Like he could never be around humans or so else he just he'd... like shut down. Yeah. And even it just... though he went to a giant city. <laughs> right. And so it would have been nice for us to see a little bit more of angel as a person. I feel like the most we got, like we got lie to me where he was like worried about Buffy's new friend and he like enlisted her friends to help for her, which was very mm-hmm. nice. And then we got Ted where they had, they were sort of commiserating about being lonely together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that th- there were a couple of really nice moments with him, they were pretty much always in context of his relationship to Buffy, though. And it feels like I don't know a whole lot about how he feels about things personally, which, again, we have a spinoff show, Angel, to explore more of that. Mm-hmm. What is the plot of Angel? I don't know. I can't say very much until uh, later. <laughs> I, uh, I think, in, I mean, it's fine. I d- it's just the thing, like, we already kind of cover this, but... I think that when when we would have really started to get those deeper things is he when turned into he Angelus. turned evil. Yeah. And Angelus, I thought, and I was kind of Angelus is a really compelling villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it part partly because he's so cartoonish. Yeah, he's not campy in the way that the master is, like the way that mm-hmm. he like reacts to things, and he's so like serious about everything in like a funny way. But he's his motivation is like I want to cause as much turmoil as possible. Right. Like, it's not, he doesn't just, like, simply want to, like, kill Buffy. He just yeah. wants, like, Spike is very straightforward. He's like, I want to fucking kill Buffy because I, it makes me feel badass to kill Slayers. Yeah. And Angel's like, this, this woman made me feel 
like a human and that's fucking unforgivable and I want to make her feel a bunch of pain. When like Angelus's whole thing is uh, like similar to Spike is obsession. Yes. Oh yeah, I, I agree. S- Spike's obsessed with Buffy in the way that like, ooh, you're another slayer and I've killed two slayers already and uh I'm a fucking badass man and then he's emasculated for like half of the season. And Angelus's mm-hmm. thing is like I am so evil that the mere thought of feeling the way it is to feel to be human and to feel love is repulsive to me. And so I have to punish this person for that. Mm -hmm. And then like, he's like the embodiment of a toxic relationship. Exactly. And the whole way, like he obviously views Drusilla, human Drusilla and Buffy is like very similar in the way that he wants to break them. And then at the very end of the season, they kind of just drop that and are like, I want to kill Buffy and also end the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't like the way he just kind of all of a sudden is like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I I, I want in I want in the world. I feel like uh what's my line part 1 up through like uh let's see what is it. But uh, up through I only have eyes for you. That's like the best part of the season. Uh and like because uh, we get some angel, we get some Angelus, and that's when Angelus is still motivated by trying to like basically make Buffy's life a li- living hell until becoming mm-hmm. like a little bit more of a like a just like calling card kind of end the world villain, end the world and kill people villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very interesting. Which I mean, yeah, it was an interesting device, I guess, to like cause all this drama of. The end of Buffy having yeah. to kill him right after he gets cursed and becomes yeah. re-sold, mm-hmm. uh, just like your favorite shoe. Yes, um, it just would have been nice for the motivation to stay the same. Yeah, or for there to be like any indication that's what he wanted to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. like he just kind of like out of nowhere is like, Urgh! it's like <laughs> like that meme of the guy walking with his girlfriend past the other girl and looking at her it's like oh yeah the so, girlfriend is torturing buffy and yeah then it's the like girl the girlfriend in, is in the world yeah. is the, <laughs> yes exactly that's so funny <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's very that we need to post that meme i made of uh <laughs> the one where the guy is xander and he's uh-huh. looking at buffy but cordelia is his girlfriend <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, so moving Speaking on from Cordelia. yeah, let's move on to Cordelia. I love Cordelia, Cordelia so much. I feel like season two is Cordelia's like moment to shine. There's mm-hmm. so much good Cordelia, which is stuff interesting in this because season. she kind of drains out as the season winds up. Uh, a, yeah, a little just, bit. Like, not there anymore. They focus a little bit more on the quote unquote main Scoobies than her, but still, like she still gets like these neat, like insightful observations and a bunch of really mm-hmm. funny lines. Well, and like right from the beginning, even I mean, she's in it. Like she's with them so much. Yeah, because like, she starts she, out being like, "Thank you guys, uh, like for saving the world," and like, "Oh, I would never tell anyone that I would had an evening with Buffy you." Buffy, the kind of like come to Jesus, like, oh my inner fuck, Muppets. the uh, Joan Collins, the Jones Collins dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, she has a lot of strong moments of like and just being that voice of like she's like that, <laughs> just super blunt, but is speaking complete truth. That uh-huh. needs to be said in that moment. Yeah, and that's a really fun dynamic that really uh, 
uh, there there are some things I can't say without spoilers, but this dynamic that Cordelia has with uh, being really blunt with the Scoobies and stuff mm-hmm. and like saying things in a really matter of fact sort of way is going to continue throughout the entire series. Mm. And uh, it's re- a really fun dynamic. And I love that. I love that we have someone like that is thinking about things from the outside instead instead of being so wrapped up in the supernatural stuff well, and completely. It, it is also funny because it really, it like kind of grounds it a little bit more and it makes it, it, it does make it feel more real to pull it back from them being just so casually like, okay, and then this demon is the kind that yeah, rips right. off the fi- face of its victim and sticks its dick in there. Like they just are sitting there talking about that like, <laughs> right. like it's nothing. And then she's just like, what? And she's like, how about we just kill this guy? And Why did all of your conversations have the word corpse in them? <laughs> yes. Like, right. Uh, That's so funny. Yeah. Or like, are you sure that Buffy's not just doing this like in uh killed by death? She's like, are you sure that Buffy's not just looking for something to fight because she feels bad about her dead cousin? Which is is so insightful and true, even mm-hmm. though, <laughs> even though there did exist an actual demon villain in the episode. Correct. And of course, uh, everything sort of culminates for Cordelia in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered when she gets to stand up to her popular friends, which is mm-hmm. a really nice moment for her. And I also I expected Cordelia to be a lot more of a bully in this season but she's not she's Mm -hmm. like she says some kind of tactless things and she uh, says some things that can be taken as kind of insulting and stuff but she it's pretty much always coming from a place of genuinely wanting to help and just like her giving her observations to the group Mm -hmm. and one thing i've heard about cordelia is that uh you can sort of interpret her as with many other characters like like especially willow maybe uh, you can interpret her as an autistic person mm. because uh, you, just the way that she like doesn't obey like social conventions when she's talking about these things and mm-hmm. the whole lack of tact sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cordelia is one of those characters that uh, people who with particular neurodivergencies and who in- interact with other people in a specific way might be able to relate with. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. I expected her to be a lot more of a bully, but it, it, she does say some mean things, but it's, it's never, it, it seems more in a way of like her being matter of fact than her actually well, her trying to hurt story people's line, feelings. I mean, her bully story storyline kind of ends with prophecy girl when she like kind of is like, yeah, I would even say even out of mind, you. out of sight, which is like is kind of pedantic. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like she's she she kind of becomes part of the group by then, and then mm-hmm. she's not, she's no longer like, and she ha- still has those aspects of being a little out of touch and like being a little bit more vain than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But it's not like this sort of like really personal like cutting sort of thing that she was right. in the beginning of season She's one. no softer side of Sears Cordelia. Mm-hmm, exactly. Let's move on to Giles. Who gave you permission to exist, Cordelia? <laughs> yes. Let's move on to Giles. I was kind of surprised at how we had a bunch of Giles in the beginning of this season. Mm-hmm. But the latter half of the season, we had Giles, but it was in the context of him with Jenny, I think. So we started out in some of the earlier episodes by like giving his backstory, 
like in uh, talking about him as Ripper. And that gives context for him being a little bit more reckless sometimes in the later episodes Mm -hmm. and knowing so much about these things. Uh, so I feel like the first half of the season was kind of Giles heavy with him being like the father figure who's kind of like rule abiding and like Buffy, you have to slay. Don't worry about school stuff. Well, and you see, yeah, I mean, and he starts to color outside the lines a little bit. Uh-huh, you know, exactly. Like with the Ripper stuff, with the, you know, when we get the uh, him in, uh, um, I only have eyes for you. And uh-huh. he's like obsessed with the idea of the go- the poltergeist being Jenny and like kind of says, you know, yeah, definitely always question me. Except for now cuz you're fucking wrong. And <laughs> yes. like, he's just like you we, we start to see him like he's not as straight-laced all the time. He's not he's there's there's a little bit more to him. Yeah, and it's very interesting uh, cuz I feel like you would perceive as you would perceive Giles as being a little bit more of a main character than Cordelia perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he gets a similar amount of development to her mm-hmm. in where he has a a couple episodes dedicated like solely to his backstory and stuff like that. And then we see him acting in a way that is sort of informed by that backstory we've heard because in in the first season he was just kind of the guy who gave information and he's like buffy you have to slay things and stuff like that and then at the very end we learn like he's he's started to care so much about buffy that he doesn't want her to face the master because she's going to die and uh, it's a, a similar sort of flipped in this because we start out by learning more about him once we get to lie to me. And mm. uh, then later in the series, the season, we get some of his interactions with things and some of his uh, reactions to things that make more sense uh, because of the, because of how, what we know about his past, like in the, in becoming part two, when he's being tortured by angel, he's like, you pillock, you have to mm-hmm. do the thing in a tutu. That's yeah, very like, ripper I of mean, him. Yeah. Giles definitely is. He's, he's getting a little bit more of like a badass streak. And like, I think that's another part of it. It's like, cause he's just, just really sort of stuffy, like very mm-hmm. like, I hate computers. Like that's his, <laughs> yes. his whole thing in like season one, which again, another thing we, we haven't really mentioned yet, but we do, I think it's necessary to say, I mean, we have so much more time with the characters uh-huh. in season two than we did in season one. Oh, absolutely. So and there's more room for that development, but yeah, I like what they did with him and how they like slowly kind of spoon in these little bits of like, you know, well, you know, he's not always just super, like, stick-up-his-butt kind of person. And and his dynamic with Jenny, particularly, was really fun this season. You know who we skipped on the recurring episodes, I just realized? Who? Snyder. <gasps> Snyder! Why didn't I put <laughs> Snyder in there? Because I was just thinking, because it's like, they also give this character that's like, if you think about, like... I guess the conservatism scale or whatever. Snyder oh, yeah. is way to the right of Giles. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because Giles at least knows that like the kids are human beings, and Giles thinks of or uh, Snyder thinks of them all as like monsters that are ruining his life. Well, yeah, and that's a good thing to bring up because uh, Snyder knows about this supernatural stuff, and he's like, "I'm just gonna bury it and mm-hmm. like keep it away from me." And Giles is like, "We need to." 
fight it, which is sort of like interacting with it instead mm-hmm. of like trying to shy away from it. Right. And also, so you're comparing that to climate change. Sure. And how. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it, I just thought about it. it was really I think because you were good. talking about ignore it slash do something uh-huh. about it, and th- that's a good analogy. Let's study it and learn about it. No, yes, let's pretend it's not real. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <Yes>. and. <laughs> Yeah, Giles is Top sort notch of political commentary from Buffy Gaze, yeah, as usual. Absolutely, of course, it's what we're known for. Actually. Republicans bad. That's the top notch com- commentary, <laughs> <laughs> mostly from Zach. Hey, I didn't even say Republicans Not that this I don't time. Actually, it. that's true. <laughs> I was good. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think comparing Giles and Snyder is a very interesting thing because Snyder, they both know about the supernatural. Snyder, Snyder's like, keep it away. Uh, keep things under wraps like don't let anyone know about it and Giles is informing these students about it to help <laughs> them fight it and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's an interesting if you parallel to think about to get even more obscure and weird uh, for a comparison Giles is Doc from West Side Story and uh, Snyder is Lieutenant Shrink <laughs> yes. <Okay>. yeah <laughs> I like for it. you like five musical theater nerds that listen <laughs> It's Somebody was just like <gasps> for Paul and Nick specifically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, you know, because you know, uh, Giles is like you know, understand. He wants to understand like the kids yeah. and stuff, and, and like working with them, and then and he develops a real relationship with them right. instead of like being like Buffy, you're a bad girl. Yeah, <laughs> tell me yes. where you're gonna rumble, Buffy. Uh huh. Yeah, that's something I hadn't thought about before this. And also, uh, I'm here for the analogies. <laughs> it's nice to see Giles like experiencing things outside of Buffy and the other Scoobies mm-hmm. with Jenny and like yeah. emotions considering his personal life. That's very interesting and uh, something that will like carry on throughout the series with everyone. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to Giles's protege, if you will. Willow. <laughs> Willow. We got so we got so much more Willow in this season. I'm so oh, happy. Yeah. It was a great amount of Willow. I feel like uh the first season had too much Xander and not enough Willow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's sort of the split the uh flip the balance this this season. Yes, yeah, a little bit more balance. We got a bunch of Willow and Xander. I'm still waiting for a season in which we get too much Willow and not enough Xander. <laughs> uh but yeah willow willow's journey through the season has been really fun to watch Mm -hmm. and uh the main three scoobies just in general have been really fun to watch this season like willow starting out pining for xander and them almost kissing and then her still pining for xander but realizing that he's not into her Mm -hmm. and the whole thing in inca mummy girl and she sort of gets over it for a second and then Oz starts to be into her, and she get, she's into Oz, but still into Xander for a little while. And then she sort and of gets over Xander. And, like... Again. I guess that that is kind of... I guess um, the, the Xander pining, you know, thing was, like, such a big part of her character in, the f- mm-hmm. in season one, particularly, but in the beginning of the season. And then that kind of melts away, and she, like, starts to be her own character. <laughs> yes. Like, it's... And even when she gets into the relationship with Oz, like, it's not like, 
that's her only thing because she's got yeah because uh, well, computer stuff she's uh-huh. like she's you know always good with the research she's able to analyze uh cookies with lsd in them <laughs> uh and you know she she's the, she's very the hermione of the series she's like that one where it's like kind of giles and willow really are the hermione because and giles is the one that can always be like oh i read that in a book but willow is the one who is like oh i i know how to do this because i read a medical terminology <laughs> right. textbook back to front and and i kind of complained in the first season about willow not having enough mm-hmm. and she was just kind of like a convenient pop plot device for computer stuff and they sort of use that in this season a little bit more to inform mm-hmm. her character more and it 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 seems like she's taking pride in being useful to the group a little bit right. more now well, and, and stuff like that. And then also she, outside of computer stuff, she is really into like speaking her mind about things. I was going to say, she when it comes so much, to Buffy, she's so much like the voice of reason a lot uh-huh. in, this, in, in episodes. And, and she's more in tune, like, especially like with Buffy, like yeah. you were starting to say too, like she's just more aware of, you know the emotions and, and stuff where, like that. And where where Giles and Xander would like try to think about things and not really regard Buffy's emotions and how she's feeling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Willow is Buffy's best friend at this point, and she really understands how Buffy's feeling through the whole season, really. And mm-hmm. it's a really nice dynamic between them. And the first time I really noticed it was in Reptile Boy when she yelled at them for being like, Giles, uh, mm-hmm. what the fuck are... She, she just wanted to have fun for one night. And Xander, what the fuck are you thinking about too? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... The, the thing about Willow too is like, there's also times where she speaks truth to Buffy like in a way that... Yeah like similar to how Cordelia does it, but she's doing it in like a more kind of like, she's not so emotionally literate way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's like considering her feelings and like, she, she also like is very gentle, but very like firm on a lot of things. She's Mm -hmm. like, I I'm trying to think there's like uh, a, particularly um, when Buffy's blaming herself about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And she's like, She's like, Buffy, this is not your fault. Yeah, the like, whole thing with Angel. You had no idea. Yeah, I, she just, there's some, I remember, there's just so many times I was being like, Willow is the mature voice in the room. Although they, she does have her moments of immaturity as well in those few episodes where she was really mad about Xander and Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a nice little like three-dimensional aspect to her character because she got so upset about when she first saw Xander and Cordelia kissing. And one aspect of that, of course, is that she felt betrayed that her friend wasn't telling her about things. But right. your, your shoulder was like Sorry. rubbing the microphone. <laughs> My chair has this little part that always fall, like slips out and I have yes. to push it in. But then also, it she was also like a little upset because first of all, Xander was interested in someone who wasn't her, and also she was interested in someone who she perceives as like a vapid person, uh, and someone who has literally bullied them for years. And she sluts shames. Well, yes, uh, that's sort of like the more reasonable version of it, like I was talking about a second ago. But also, like she slut shames her. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing with this girl instead of me?" Some a little bit slightly selfish stuff from Willow in her mm-hmm. anger at Xander from that. She ha- does have some justified anger 
like from him first of all him keeping stuff from her but also like being involved with their bully without telling her and stuff like that and not having conversations about it yeah i mean there is a lot to like i she really starts to kind of come into herself in this season a lot more too where she's she really starts out at the beginning of the season where there's still a little bit of how she was in season one where she's mm-hmm. like that very self-deprecating. Particularly like, an Inca mummy girl. Like I can't, like the thing with Buffy where she's like, you can't hang out with me or I can't hang out with you and Cordelia. Uh-huh. And she's like, not legally, no. And <laughs> yes. Like then moving into this season, she's still like that a little bit where she's still very like, I'm just this weirdo nerd, blah, blah, blah. But then she's like, she's, I think she starts to come into that and be like, yeah, that is who I am. Yeah, and she, like, extends that into magic and stuff at the very Mm -hmm. end of the season. (laughs) She also starts literally teaching classes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not legal in any way. Near the end of the season, she gets lots of uh, opportunities to express, like, her uh, use, use the things she's good at. Uh, to like take some power over people like Mm -hmm. she teaches a class she's like oh you're not doing very well gage Uh, you should stop playing solitaire and she interrogates jonathan and then uh the big culminating moment of that is that she had this relationship with jenny where she learned all all of this magic stuff after she died and then she was like i feel very confident that I can do this curse. And she tried it twice. And the second time she mm-hmm. succeeded and it was very like interestingly portrayed the first time. If it weren't for that darn bookcase. Yeah. Right. That fucking bookcase that gave her head trauma and was very shocking to see. So a lot of cool stuff with Willow this season. I really loved it. And I am so excited to see more Willow in the future. Let's move on to Willow's, uh, the object of Willow's pining, if you will, <laughs> Xander. <laughs> what smoothness? I don't. I'm. I feel so like Xander. There's a lot of stuff explored in Xander's character, mm. and like I really How hate he looks him. In a speedo. Yes, that was uh, that's one of them. <laughs> I just hate him so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very interesting uh, because. It's just this progression from him, like, almost kissing Willow to being immediately obsessed with Buffy again to, like, being into Cordelia and what's my line and then kissing her and then, like, using her as a sexual object for a while Mm -hmm. and then still being obsessed with Buffy while he's kind of dating Cordelia and she's had this, like, whole come-to-Jesus moment with her friends and then still... (laughs) showing his obsession with Buffy in the very end of the season where clearly he's jealous of Angel and wants him to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, That was well, a big old dump about Xander and his relationships with women. Yeah, I think it's like he grew from just being horny and that was his <laughs> only trait in right. season one. And like horny a little constantly. like heroic and like brave and a little then, bit. And then now it's like... He's a dick bag most of the time. He does have <laughs> little moments of like, you know, you know, it was reaching out and like being, you know, I mean, like, but yeah, just like everything, like even in the beginning, like in when she was bad and like and Buffy like runs off and like, I mean, he's not like a thousand percent unjustified in his anger with her. Yeah. Because she's like, I mean, when he says, if you would have worked with us for five minutes, none of this would have happened. That was true. Oh, yeah. Um, 
so but then he's all like if anything happens to willow i'll kill you and it's like oh, okay. <laughs> a lot and then in some <laughs> in some assembly required cordelia's like if there's anything i can do for you and he's like we're talking cordelia go away <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know a lot of a lot of Xander's stuff this season feels like it's in re- it, it is in relation to Buffy. I it is nice that in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered we had like these moments of nice vulnerability from Xander, where he actually admitted some real feelings he had for Cordelia, and was vulnerable with them, and like felt bad when she didn't immediately return those. But then mm-hmm. he uses that to be a dick again. To yeah. curse all the women in Sunnydale. So that wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, and there is something like it would have been interesting if I just wonder like <laughs> sometimes I mean, I don't want the show like the show is the show. It's happened twenty five <laughs> years ago. Yes. But like I, I just wonder like if they had not had like so much of the nineties like men are entitled to women's bodies kind of right like undertones like if it would have been better like if we could have i mean there's something to be explored there like being in love with somebody who is a really good friend of you or yours who does not feel the same way about you like that is that has a lot of potential to be a good storyline it's just like it just kind of always manifests in him being an asshole like it's never like you don't really ever feel bad for him just because he's always right. he's constantly being a dick. Exactly. And I understand like this dynamic of like, if, if this were, if there were things anyway, you could explore this in like the context of toxic masculinity where the mm. reason Xander is acting this way is because he's taught this way right. by the way society views masculinity even though he's not like an athlete or very smart or anything like that he's like a a geeky kid and you could explore that in a really neat way they didn't really have like the language and the like tropes and the Mm -hmm. uh concepts in the 90s that were widely spread throughout throughout people who write tv shows to explore those sorts of things is it was it's possible for him to be a really interesting character and he might be more interesting in the future Mm -hmm. in the things he does but this season a lot of his character development is based on his crush on buffy and his like intense jealousy about anyone else who gets to quote unquote have buffy like this whole season is just about relationships. Yeah, it is. It's a huge I part mean, of it. That's is what all shows really are. But like this particular season of Buffy, like this is really focused yeah. on the relationships. Well, it's growing up, and it's relationships, mm-hmm. romantic relationships we've got specifically. Willow and Xander. We've got Willow and Oz. Uh, Willow we've, and got Oz. we've got Xander Cordelia and Cordelia. And Xander. Xander and Buffy. We've Giles got Giles and Jenny. and Jenny. Yeah, Buffy and Angel. And it's sort Spike of Spike and Drusilla. Yes, it's very melodramatic. Oh, that was last season. Yes, melodramatic, soap opera, soap opera-y, and they use those relationships to like springboard into the individual characters' development and stuff, which is really neat and really cool. In Xander's case, it's pretty much the only thing he gets, mm-hmm. and he gets to show some bravery and some courage. And uh, like, even though he doesn't have a l- whole lot to offer, he gets to help out with things by just like mm-hmm. being the person who 
feels like taking initiative. So often, though, that is related to Buffy and his relationship with Buffy and wanting to save Buffy and wanting to be the hero that Mm -hmm. it just rings a little bit hollow sometimes. So, well, because there was that what isn't that in this season the one where he's talking about his fantasy that Buffy like he's a millionaire and Buffy is a waitress and like he goes to save her and she cries or something and again it's another thing that's like toxic masculinity causes straight white cis teenage boys to think in these ways and it sucks it sucks for everyone else and it also sucks for them but like in a way that they can oppress other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope we see I hope we see some more from Xander that isn't just in relation to Buffy in his the future. Obsession with Buffy. Yeah, because that's most most of what his character development in this season is. It's all about obsession. Speaking of Buffy, <laughs> let's move on to Buffy Summers. <laughs> <laughs> The titular heroine, if you will. The titular character. So, uh, gosh. Uh, Watching these first two seasons, I've I've always loved this show. And I've always liked Buffy as a character. And I've always thought... I I often am not super keen on main characters. Mm -hmm. I think part of that is because so often main characters are boys Mm -hmm. in like YA stuff and like teen television and stuff like that. When a lot of main characters are just kind of boring. Yeah. Because their friends are the more interesting parts. Or like their self inserts or stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and even in stuff that's not geared towards boys, like I wasn't super into Bella when I read the whole Twilight series. I wasn't super into in the, in the, she is awful. <laughs> True. Her and I Edward was, are the worst two characters <laughs> in that whole series. Right. I wasn't super into Katniss when I read the Hunger Games. Uh, mm. I wasn't super into any of those characters actually, but I should watch it. I, I should read it again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but yeah, I'm super. I usually I'm usually not into main characters. Uh, my th- even being a late season person, I always liked Buffy. But seeing these first two seasons, I have started... Buffy is my favorite character so far Mm. in this series during this rewatch. Because, I mean, obviously they spend so much time on her and everything about her gets to develop so much. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. Like, from her, like, already knowing she's a slayer and denying her calling and... uh, killing so many fucking bad guys in season one and then dying and coming back to life and having to deal like starting out the season at this like really emotional low point and being just like, you know, taking out her frustration and her anxiety, her anger on all of her friends and like, and then seeing like these different aspects of her where she's so much more three dimensional because she's not perfect all the time. And the humility it takes for her to apologize to them and have like cheesy sitcom music play (laughs) while she's talking to them in class. (laughs) And it's really fun and seeing her relationship, like her like girl talk relationship with Willow develop is really fun. Mm -hmm. And then uh, her relationship with Giles is really cool to watch as well. And Mm -hmm. lie to me in the dark age specifically and like learning, uh, like sh- we're learning that she has all these flaws as a hero, and this person that she sees as a mentor has all these flaws as like a, just a person is really fun. And then so we start out with her like reconnecting with her friends and starting to grow up a little bit, and then she has uh, this growing relationship with a father figure, Angel. Just and- kidding. 
<laughs> well, and then we see some more of her relationship with Angel, even though we've been seeing some snippets through the beginning of the season. And then, oops, he's evil now. <laughs> right. And we also, I mean, her relationship with her identity as the Slayer. Yeah. I mean... She's really taking it a whole lot more in stride in a bunch of places this season. Yeah. And in the end, she really has to confront it in a really profound way because she's not just sacrifice. She's not sacrificing herself before she was like, okay, I might die and it's going to save the world. So that's okay. But in this season at the end, she's like, it's not that I have to die. It's that I have to kill someone that I love. Mm-hmm. And like, w- as we saw in Ted, like Arachorice. killing what? Arachorice. Yes. As we saw in Ked- Ted, like killing someone who is not compulsorily evil is like a big deal for Buffy. Mm-hmm. And oops, he's also the person I love. It, that's just might happen to be her shitty uh, exactly (laughs) she was really mad that she just killed a shitty man Mm. and now she's killing her the love of her life so far and it's like buffy's journey throughout this whole season i feel like has been really well developed and i feel like it's the best part of the entire season yeah she i mean she really goes through so much yeah season and and goes on a real journey with it, with the whole blaming herself, and then like kind of slowly coming to terms with it, and, mm-hmm. I and mean, then like not maybe fully getting over it. I wouldn't say, and but like, thinking about per- forgiving herself, and then oops, I have to kill my boyfriend. Yeah, and it's just so I every episode I feel like even the the ones that are a little bit lower quality in terms of like plot and stuff we always see something new about Buffy and we always see Buffy interacting with the people around her and the Mm -hmm. world in a way that makes sense in a way that is continually growing. But it's also endearing in a lot of ways, which Uh is, I think it's hard to do without being super cheesy. Yeah. Like she could be really like, I don't know. She could have been really try hard and really like, uh, you know, goody two shoes. Like, yeah, I'm friends with everyone, like kind of thing. But they didn't make her that way. Yeah, she has plenty of pushback. She's plenty. Uh, she's plenty like annoyed and confrontational with people when she needs to be. Uh, she has like these vulnerable moments with her emotions and stuff. We can't leave this in, but I just thought about what am I, Saint Buffy? He's like four feet tall. <laughs> Uh. (coughs) so yeah i i buffy i don't think it's too much to say this i don't i can't think of a single main character a single pivotal like focal point of a series in like a book or a movie or any kind of story i can't think of a single one that I like more and that I am more invested in the journey of than Buffy. Mm-hmm. Be- it's just so compelling to watch her go through all of these things as like the sole person who has the power to work through all of it, even with the help with her friends. Right. I mean, and I've, I think a lot of that, you know, f- is writing. A lot of that is Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance She's as so Buffy. She does such a great job. And I mean, of course, you know, one thing over, like, 
I mean, I guess not necessarily a book or a movie, but like, it's just you get so much more time. Uh huh. I mean, I guess in book series, you know, obviously you have tons of time with the character. <laughs> right. And, you know, if you're talking about like uh, Star Wars, there's like 19 movies. So. And also you have the opportunity to actually like see their thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah. I just, it's, I think it's just some like kind of one of those like lightning in a bottle kind of things where she was just like this perfect mix of like, she's funny, but she's, you know, got real concerns. She's yeah. got their, uh, you know, the whole thing about how being who she is interferes with who she wants to be. Exactly. Uh, and so also much good stuff. Like so much of her conflict in the latter half of the season deals with her guilt at changing someone because she had sex with them, which in one way is like, Oh, we're talking about how sex changed a guy to be awful. And like a girl has to be guilty about it and stuff. But also it's very reflective of like the actual ways that young girls might feel in these sorts of situations. Mm -hmm. It's very reflective of real life. And it's explored in a really realistic way while she's also kicking ass all the time. And Mm -hmm. it's just so cool to watch Buffy, like, while as a person she's having these really difficult situations and things that she has to work through that her friends are trying to help her with. And also, like, this whole time she's staking, like, ten vampires a night or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. And I love Buffy so much. And I was so sad for her at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Buffy is great. Also, Sarah Michelle Gellar is in a a brand new movie called Do Revenge on Netflix Mm -hmm. uh, that just came out today when we're recording this. And I really want to watch it this weekend. Uh, She's also going to be in Wolfpack, which Mm. we've talked about before. I'm so excited to see more Sarah Michelle Gellar. She's awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did you did you ever see the like uh, the like weed soda delivery commercial she was in and like on, during Pride Month. No, during Pride Month she was in this like ad for like I want to say like a delivery service for like a soda that had weed in it, <laughs> something like that. And during uh-huh. this ad, she said, "Gay rights." <laughs> It was awesome. All right. Weed soda is gay rights. Weed soda is gay rights. All right. Now that we've done some deep dives on some characters in the season as a whole, we're going to do some rankings here. So I'm going to start out with our standout episodes from season two. Uh, I'm we're going to do our top five and bottom three episodes of the season. Zach, do you want to start us? Sure. So first on my list is of top five is Halloween. Ooh. I love that episode. It's so good. Uh, it's amazing. Gives us so much good stuff. We get... Um, and it's a Willow episode. That all makes sense. Of the, yeah. Uh, we get all of the character development. We get Ethan Rain introduced. Um, I mean... <gasps> Ethan spooky, fucking Rain, yes. Spooky Halloween hijinks ensue. <laughs> spooky Halloween. Um, and uh so yeah and then of course the next one i have is passion uh mm. which is just so like i mean it literally so ends big for just like tv in general it literally ends with opera pretty much but it's like <laughs> it's like this operatic thing it's just oh yeah so like the story the drama it's so big and i love it uh innocence 
Yes. Because I and mean, a rocket launcher. Buffy blow, yeah, Buffy blowing up the judge with this a rocket so launcher. Uh, which is, <laughs> I just love how it seems like they've painted themselves into this corner with this "you can't kill this demon" thing. I mean, obviously it was the intention, and then it's like, well, that was then. This is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then I sort of cheated on the next two, and I used the two-parter. So uh, becoming as a whole, oh, one and two, I put on there as well. And then uh, what's my line? Part one and two. Gotcha. Good, very good choices. My top five I chose mm-hmm. uh, is pretty similar. I started with becoming part two is number one Mm -hmm. because it made me cry for 20 minutes and Mm. that is not to be ignored. I've listened to Full of Grace by Sarah McLaughlin like five times this week. So fucking good. (laughs) My second was Halloween because that was the episode like I liked a bunch of season one. But when we got to Halloween in season two was when I was like okay, I am, I, there is no way I could ever stop rewatch. I'd like this rewatch of this show. I have to keep going until mm. the end. Once mm. I got to Halloween, number three was passion. Mm-hmm. Passion was really great. We got Allison Hannigan crying, Jenny dying. Crying, people dying. Allison Hannigan. What's that song? Allison Hannigan cried and Kendra died. <laughs> yes. You never want to die and burn a tent. An exclamation. I mean, I suppose another into the woods reference. <laughs> Those lyrics. Ignore my Mesopesha was it has a Yes. Fourth was Innocence. Uh, also, I'm uh, partly attached to that episode so much because that is our most viewed and liked TikTok so far. <laughs> and then number five. I gave to Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Yeah. Because I enjoyed that episode so that much. That one's a good one. All right. Bottom three, Zach. All right. Bottom three, Ted. That was my first. Oh, okay, Ted. I was like, right so away, I was like, Is Ted the Ted. worst or the third worst? Oh, I didn't really put these in any order, but that's oh, okay, the that's first fine. one. I was like, Ted. Okay. Uh, mine were, in, my top five were in order. Uh, No, mine weren't. And um, Go Fish. <laughs> Yes. And Inca Mummy Girl. All right. Okay. We have similar lists. So my uh, third worst was Killed by Death. Mm-hmm. That was a consi- that was Not for, great. That's an honorable mention from my list. Although I appreciate the uh, creepiness of the monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, second worst, Go Fish. Mm-hmm. Just so bad worst was inca mummy girl such a bad episode even without the like cultural cultural appropriation and like racist stuff from xander it's still so bad yeah Uh, and that stuff's pretty bad it's pretty cringy so how does that fit in with our series rankings of episodes uh zach give me your top five of the series so far including season one um okay so um again no particular order but halloween mm-hmm. and then actually the only uh, of season one episode i added to the list was angel oh then, what did you take off of your list uh i took off passion uh so angel instead of passion and then everything else is the same innocence what's my line one and two and becoming one and two okay okay i i i that's fine that's fine for me my top five these are in order. Number one, Becoming Part Two. Mm. Number two, Prophecy Girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So fucking good. Number three, Halloween. Number four, Innocence. And number five, Nightmares. 
Mm. Nightmares is so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I believe, like, if you go back and listen to the, our season one reflections, I believe I put Out of Mind, Out of Sight in my top episodes and didn't put Nightmares in there. Mm. But, you know, in hindsight, I'm putting Nightmares in there in on your number five. <laughs> yes, instead. This is going to get so much harder after season three. Oh, my God. Mm. What about your bottom five now of the whole series? Teacher's Pet. <laughs> yes. Ted. Uh-huh. The Pack. Uh huh. Income mummy girl. Yes. Go fish. All right. All right. <laughs> Very similar to mine. Interesting to me that you picked Ted as one of your I, worst. Ted is uh is another episode that I actually skipped a lot when hmm. I rewatched the show. So my fifth worst is uh Income mummy girl. Mm-hmm. Very bad. Fourth worst, the pack. Mm-hmm. Third worst, go fish. <laughs> Although now I'm realizing that I. In my bottom three of season two, I think I said Inca Mummy World Inca Mummy Girl was worse than Go Fish. This isn't a professional pot. We don't get paid for this. Uh, my second worst is the Puppet Show. Mm. I I did not. I thought that episode was did boring. not care for that episode. Worst episode. I just like. How what do you think my is? worst episode is? Uh, I I already forgot what you had said. You didn't, wait. I teacher's pet. It. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Teacher's, teacher's pet. pet absolutely. Even though my list isn't in any order, Teacher's Pet is the worst episode. And I I think it's going to hold that spot the whole time. I don't know if anything we'll can see. It. We'll spot, see. We'll, who knows? We'll, I, I'm thinking of a couple episodes. There are some that might give it a run for its money, but it's, we'll see. We'll see. I think Teacher's <laughs> Pet is going to be the reigning champion. Yes. So let's move on. Let's go to some overall season ratings. We're going to have some stats for this one. So before before we give our personal ratings, Zach, so I want to start. Uh, we didn't really do... Katie mentioned after we did our reflections for season one that she wished we had done done like an average of all of our episodes like Mm. we had mentioned that so i just want to mention for season one my i gave season one a 6.5 and you gave season one a seven Mm. our averages of the episodes however were i gave uh my average of all of my rankings of the episodes came out to 7.25 for season five as opposed what you said season five. Oh, season one. Yes. Uh, I had just said the number five, so that makes sense. So 7.25 as opposed to my 6.5 personal rating. Your You gave it a seven, but your uh, average was 7.18. So mm. I just wanted to bring that up. So That's you're saying I was more consistent than you. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, your your average was I, higher than yours. My average was lower than mine. So, well, oh, yeah. I the mean, one you gave I think it that's was pretty close. Yeah. So Depends I just wanted to significant <laughs> figures. I guess I just wanted to mention that since we didn't do it on a, in our season one reflection, uh-huh. that's fun. Okay, so I'm going to give some stats for season two now. So, hmm. brr, so um, before. We actually do the math for it. Zach, what is your personal, what would you say season one gets out of 10 for you? Hmm. I gave season one. I always compare. 
which isn't fair. I gave season one a seven, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, man, season two is pretty good. I was thinking like an eight or a nine. You got to give me a number, Zach. I'm gonna say nine. You're going to say nine? I think it has uh-huh. some of the best Buffy drama. Yeah, Not that makes best, sense. But some of the best. Uh huh. So your personal score for season two is nine. I am going to go very similar. I'm going to give it an eight point five. Yeah, I was thinking. Which I feel like is going to rub. Too. It might rub some people the wrong way because season Why? two is very widely regarded by many people as the best season of the entire series. Huh. I think there are too many like not great episodes and some weird plot stuff like the like Angelus motivation stuff and like not getting a bunch of Buffy and Angel's relationship and stuff like that. I would have thought season three was people's favorite. Season three is season two and season three are the most widely regarded as the favorite. I Mm -hmm. believe I'm giving season two an 8.5. Our actual averages for our ratings. Zach, do you want to guess what your average is? Uh, 7.6. Oh, your average was 7.9. I flipped Um, it upside down. I was, (laughs) yeah, he has dyscalculia. (laughs) Uh, My average was eight. So not very far from what I actually gave it. I had to give it higher than that just because of the emotional payoff of the season. Mm -hmm. And mostly just because of Buffy's character interesting so i don't agree with my past self as much or i was well i, well, I think i'm judging it on the high points more yeah, than on the low points it's different rating the whole season from rating the episodes yeah because like the impact of the season as a whole is going to be different once you have seen all of the episodes and mm-hmm. we're writing the episodes by themselves yeah so it makes that makes sense to me so i gave it an 8.5 you gave it a 9 and don't come for me if you think it deserves more than an 8.5. This <laughs> is just my opinion. I'm not a professional. I just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, 8.5 is pretty good. <laughs> uh, I agree. So let's move on to some MVP stats. I'm going to start with season one since we didn't do this in the season one of Reflections episode. So our totals combining both of our MVPs for season one, the highest was Buffy. You gave more Buffy than I did. You gave Buffy Mm -hmm. four and I gave Buffy two. Then we had Giles as our second one, which was interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, Then we had Angel as our third with three among the two of us. Hmm. And then we had Xander and Willow and Jenny tied for two. So each of them only got two votes among the two of us. Huh. You didn't give any to Willow in season one. Hmm. You gave no MVPs to Willow in season one, which was interesting to me. And the rest all have won the master, Dr. Gregory, Billy from Nightmares, the Scoobies as a whole, and Sid. Wait, we get... <laughs> Wait... We gave episode MVP to Dr. Gregory? I did. I gave one to Dr. Gregory because I was like, oh, he if Buffy didn't do her homework like he said, then she wouldn't have known about praying mantises. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I so forgot that. For season two, our totals were the highest was Buffy with 12. Two of those uh, we agreed on included Kendra, and one of them, you gave one to her 
Willow, and Xander. Mm. So just keep thinking about that when I say the totals for those two. So Buffy was the highest. And the next highest by far was Willow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gave Willow five, and I also gave Willow five for the season. So mm-hmm. interesting. Buffy and then Willow. Then the next highest in our season two totals was uh, the people who had four, which were Cordelia, mm-hmm. of course, naturally. They all, I believe, yes, Cordelia, we agreed on for both of the episodes. We e- So we each gave her MVP for one episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drusilla also got four and the same thing for her. Mm. And then Xander also got four. Uh, One of those, however, was with Buffy and Willow. And then we had some with three, which were Kendra and Angel. And Joyce had two because we both agreed on school hard that Joyce was the MVP. Mm. And then the people with one for season two were Giles, Jenny, you didn't give either of them an MVP. I gave the, them mm. those MVPs. Mm. <laughs> I gave one to the Scoobies minus Xander. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so does that take one away? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you gave one to Angelus. Mm-hmm. And I gave one to James, the poltergeist from I Only Have Eyes for You. So those are our season two totals. Our final totals for the series so far, Buffy has 18. Mm, I mean, shocker. Makes sense. (laughs) She is the protagonist of the series. Willow has 12. Xander and Angel both have six. Giles has five. Cordelia has four. But none of those were in season one. So she Mm. had four in one season. Uh, Jenny and Kendra both have three. Drusilla also has four with Cordelia, like I said earlier. And the other notable ones that don't have more than one are the Master with one. Oh, the Scoobies do have two, kind of, but one of them is the Scoobies without Xander. <laughs> uh, Angelus has one for the whole series, of course. <laughs> I also thought I said it that way instead of just saying Willow and Buffy. Right. Well, I I consider Giles and Cordelia Scoobies as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I thought it was notable that Spike has none. Spike is the only big bad (laughs) so far to have no Spike ever win. That's true. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So I thought that was very interesting. Dr. Gregory, Sid, and James are the only one-off characters to have MVP so far. Was that all you? No, you gave Sid his MVP in season one. Oh, okay. Uh, Jenny has exited the series with three MVPs, two of which were a unanimous vote from us on iRobot Eugene. Uh, so far, Cordelia, Joyce, and Drusilla are the only characters who have completely unanimously, unanimously been voted MVPs on every episode that they are voted MVPs. So mm. we agreed on the episodes that we gave them MVPs. Mm. And then finally, Buffy and Kendra currently hold the honor of having the only unanimous shared MVP. Wow. So you gave multiple MVPs to Buffy, Willow, and Xander on mm-hmm. some some assembly required, I think. But uh, I didn't share that. But we both gave Buffy and Ken- Kendra MVP on mm-hmm. What's My Line Part 2. So some interesting, interesting stats there. Uh, all right. It's really funny listening to these back because it sounds like they are from different people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I did do that. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, what do you think the gayest moment of the season was? Mm. I'll start. 
I think the gayest moment of the season happened at the very beginning when Cordelia told off Buffy. Mm. The uh, Joan Collins tude. Yes. Of course, we have the o- overtly gay parts with Larry and with Buffy coming out to her mom, basically. But I still think uh, Cordelia's uh, speech to Buffy is the gayest moment of the season. Yeah. I I just think it's um Joyce's entire reaction to Buffy telling her she's the vampire Very slayer. gay. That's my vote. That makes sense. So those are our two, one from the first episode and one from the last episode. <laughs> so finally, before we finish, Zach, do you have any, is there anything from these first two seasons that you want to discuss in context of the show in the future? There will be spoilers in this warning episode. Warning. 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 <laughs> yes. So it's our spoiler discussion part. Uh, you know, I want to start. Willow's going to get so much fucking more into magic. And Giles mm-hmm. being like, you might open a door you can't close. And it's dark magic is very significant. Mm-hmm. And I always, I don't know why. I, when I was younger, I perser- perceived Willow being a witch as like a cool, like, ooh, she does magic to help help them. But, like, it's really presented from the very, very beginning that this is not a good idea, Willow. Like, this is, mm. might be bad for you. And it's going to be bad for her yeah. <laughs> in the future. Willow, wake up. Although I it is like also this. going to be good. Yes, Willow, wake up. No, um... I think uh, the story arc of her power, which I mean, I'm, I'm all here for it, uh, the entire way, of course. Yes. Is I don't. It's really interesting because it's all about this whole like. It's kind of funny because it's it seems like something. I mean, I don't know if they had the idea that she would eventually go off the rails like she does mm-hmm. at the beginning, but it seems like they kept making her more and more powerful and they're like, oh, we've gone too far. Well, and they're going to continue. And then they bring it to this place of like her uh, understanding, like where her limits are and like things like that. Yes. And they're going to continue being like, Willow, you're using magic to solve like personal things too often. Well, Which she has more done. and more we as have, we go on. Yes, but yeah. Exactly. And she hasn't really she hasn't actually done that yet, but she will start to do it in season three in Lover's Walk. Very fun episode where Cordelia gets impaled by rebar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, uh so very interesting. I thought that Xander telling Willow she he loved her was interesting at the end, considering what mm-hmm. happens in season three with the affair. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to that part. I don't really like that part. I have some int- I have some opinions on that that I wonder if are going to stay the same when we watch them. So we'll see. Um I'm excited about Faith, of course. And so the mayor. excited about Faith. And the mayor. I was so surprised when we had two like two or three mentions of the mayor in the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be very interesting. Faith, the mayor, and Faith and the mayor. I also am really looking forward to that Gwendolyn Post episode. Oh, I don't know why. God, yeah. She just makes me laugh every time. And then Faith, a word of advice. You're an idiot. Yes. <laughs> well, and also seeing Angel again. And I feel like Angel and Buffy's relationship is explored a lot more in season three than it is in season two, mm-hmm. which will be very fun. We get to watch her crush that pot. Oh, yeah. We crush the pot. What? <laughs> it's like a picture. That scene where Faith poisoned him and they figure out that she has to drink Buffy's blood or whatever. Uh, she like grabs this metal pitcher and like smack crushes it in her hand. Is it like while he's drinking her blood? Kicks like a table in half. And yeah. 
Oh, that's the part where it's like, ooh, they're having sex right now, but he's yeah. actually just drinking your blood. Yes. <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah, there's so many great season three things, and I, I'm trying to think of any like specific episodes. I, but it's nothing is like coming specifically to mind. I just. I'm, I, well, other than like Slayer Fest '98, uh-huh. we'll see um, Amy again in Gingerbread. Gingerbread. Oh, Dead Man's Party. Oh my fucking god! I cannot wait to talk about that episode. Which I already got so excited about it. I already watched Anne once, uh, and I'm gonna have to watch it some more. Yes. Um, but yeah, the whole graduation saga. The very prom. very exciting. Uh, Angel Gangland. Oh my oh, god! Yes. Angel stuff is going to carry on throughout the entire series, basically. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Anya. Oh, we're gonna get Anya. Yes, and then eventually Anya replacing Cordelia, which is sad, but also nice that we'll have Anya. Mm-hmm. Mm. So many good things. Yes, I'm trying to think of anything specific from this season that really carries on story wise to other seasons. And, I don't. I feels like there's not really a whole lot. Um, we get more Ethan Rain in seasons three and four, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be fun. He's in season four. Yeah, he's in uh, the episode where Giles turns into a demon. Oh yeah, I was thinking that was in season three for some reason. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we'll get more more gayness from Giles and Ethan, of course. <gasps> oh my gosh, Giles and Joyce are going to interact more in the oh, next season. Oh, candy. Uh huh. That's going to be fun. Their sexual escapades. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really curious about some episodes when we get to them. Like, um, I know I told you that the Zeppo is an episode that I skip a lot. And <gasps> what? You were like, uh, yeah, you every, reacted like that every time. <laughs> I cannot believe that. And I just remember being like, yeah, I'm so excited. Season three has so many fucking good episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I cannot wait. And then we have season four. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I actually like season four. There are episodes in season four that I like. There are. Yeah. I I mean, definitely it it has its issues, but right. There are a lot (laughs) of things that I like in season four. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I can't. She really likes cheese. And if you hurt her, I'll beat you to death with a shovel. <laughs> right. A big disclaimer oh. is no one's friend. Yes. We're going to see Jenny again next season, right? When we see the first in that one episode. Doesn't the first turn into Jenny in yeah, one episode? Yeah, uh, the... Uh, I forget what it's called. The one where they're fucking with Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amends. Oh, yes, that one. So, uh, another, another little interesting thing. So, the first is going to turn into Jenny next season and then be gone until season seven. Uh, very fun, very fun. Uh, and I feel like the biggest thing that's going to carry over from this season, uh, first of all, Angel and Buffy and the whole thing where she had to kill him. And also also Xander's decision not to tell her that Willow is doing the curse. And then third of all would be Willow and Xander. And Willow mm. not completely actually getting over Xander. And then Xander realizing at the end of the season that he has feelings for Willow. That obviously is going mm. to carry over. Mm. And it's going to be very fun to talk about, even though it might not be fun to watch. <laughs> Anything else that you can think of uh, from the series in the future that uh, we got nuggets of in season two? Um, nuggies? It's okay if the answer is no. I can just cut it out. I can't really think of anything. Okay, that's fine. Hey, Kathy. Major <laughs> look. 
Uh, well, and also I'm excited to see Joyce interact with Buffy after knowing that Buffy is a slayer. I feel like mm-hmm. that's where all of our fond memories of Joyce come from. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, the body. <laughs> the body. The body. Yes. I think I just still, I don't know how I'm going to get through that episode without crying. Yeah, we'll Probably see. Won't. I was surprised I got through Becoming Part 2 without crying. Yeah, I got a little misty a couple times, but I was mm-hmm. like, choking back. Don't and show again, your emotions. Again, I didn't I did not get through any viewing of the episode without crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did get through the recording though. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so that is our season 2 reflections. Zach, do you have any more to add? Um yeah, I actually have a brief presentation about No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um No, I just um it's really crazy to like get to this point yeah and like we've been doing it now for we've gotten season two under our belt we've been doing this since january damn it zachary reichard kylery jones um i i just uh i am it's it's so exciting to yes to continue on and to get i like what to what i feel like we've gotten now into the real meat of the Buffy series. Right, exactly. It's been so exciting for me to see every episode of season two. Finally, I'm so excited to see season three. I've actually seen every episode from now on, even if I've only seen them once. And it's just so very exciting. What if we find one that you haven't seen? We'll see. I will eat my words then. Nom, 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 words. Nom, nom, words. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, sending messages and stuff. Uh, Brittany sent us a message on Instagram being like, "Did was there a spoiler discussion after you mentioned that Close Your Eyes was the name of the Buffy Angels theme? Because when you said that, I started crying. And I was like, actually, Zach didn't know, and I didn't want to spoil it for him. Because mm. uh, that was in Becoming Part 1. So, so thank you, Brittany, for she she also it was like a voice message on Instagram. So oh. I got to listen to her voice. So th- oh, <laughs> thank you, fine. Brittany. That was fun. Uh, Ashley on Instagram also messaged just about some stuff. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, we continue to get messaged by Katie occasionally on TikTok as well. Mm. Uh, keep the messages coming. We really love them. Uh, it's really enjoyable. Mm. Next week, you're going to hear an episode with Paul Jordan from Scared Gay on the movie. And then the mm-hmm. week after that, we're going to be discussing the unaired pilot with Tabula Rasa bitches, Ali mm-hmm. Press and Nick Mercer. Zach, do you want to tell everyone where they can find us before we go today? Sure. So you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Buffy Gaze Pod. You can also find us wherever you get your fine podcasts. Um, Only the Spotify finest. or Apple. Uh Please support by leaving a five-star rating and review. Those are very helpful. Especially written reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read them out if you uh, leave a written review. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And also, uh, please feel free to continue to disagree with us and try to correct us on things because I love Yes, very fun. I w- please disagree with us. If you have a disagreement, yeah. let us know. We want to discuss it. I mean, I've had things where I like learned complete alternate perspectives that I'd never considered talking through some of these things. Yeah, even just from each other. You know, like for Inca Mummy Girl, I think, is the biggest example. Right. Where Kyle's um I was like, she's obviously a slayer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can also email us at buffygazepod at gmail.com. You can go to anchor.fm slash buffygaze uh, to leave us a voice message if you feel like. 
Kyle. Uh, or text message. You hit the microphone. I hit the microphone with my <laughs> chin that time. Yes. <laughs> uh, and just, just let your me. friends know and keep listening. And I hope you enjoy our next couple weeks of episodes. And then we will have a one-week break before we get to Anne. So I hope you're excited, as excited for Anne as us. I cannot believe I have to wait so long to talk about Anne. But we do need a break because we work a lot on this. And we've been doing it every single week since we started in January. So mm-hmm. we, we need a little bit of a break. Uh, before we move on and we want to get we want to get some episodes built up for a backlog just in case of emergencies and stuff so thank you so much for listening listen to your favorite episode in the week that we're gone and we will be back before too long to talk about one of my favorite episodes i will say again Anne in season three Anne. so until next time i've been kyle and ich bin Zach. <laughs> ich bin Zach Reichard. And I we are, <laughs> yes, and we are your Abuffy Gays. Happy slaying. A goodbye. Bye bye. I'm going to keep that in there so everyone knows you burp into the microphone <laughs> while I'm talking. You burp into the microphone all the time. Not while you're talking. Uh, <laughs> said he was going through all these changes and then he went through all these changes phases episode 15 okay my turn well this is just halloween can i finish okay neat you have some ice cream on your nose just let me don't bother i'm going to get a boyfriend in about 15 episodes he's gonna look at me and say who's that girl a bunch first fine i'll just go out with the first reanimated mummy princess i run into or maybe I'll start a relationship with our bully. What about the We Hate Cordelia Club, of which you are the treasurer? She would love me even if I was a fish. Not if she lost her soul. What do you think would happen then? I'm not sure, but I bet you'd become a different person after dealing with it. This week, the Buffy gaze, Who is that girl I see? About Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season two. That is to say, we reflect on it. We'll discuss the journeys of each of our favorite characters, plus Xander, and the story arc of the season. We'll study for finals by crunching the numbers and finding our overall season ratings. And we'll discuss the queer themes and gayest moment of the season, all while growing up and fighting monsters. So grab your powdered master bones and your many hand-whittled steaks and get ready to save the world several times with your Buffy Buffy Gaze!